Hi, I'm Greg Yulin with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today I have an in-studio guest. Her name is Kelly Adkins. Kelly is our Director of OEM Programs at Reynolds. Uh, Kelly, really excited to talk with you. Uh, it's December, and you know it's time of uh, a lot of people have giving in front of mind and volunteers and things like that. So I want to get into a lot of that and the work that, that you do outside of Reynolds. Right. Uh, but before we do, if you don't mind, give a little bit of, of your background, Director of OEM Programs. Um, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, so I've been here 16 years now, and I'm currently director of OEM programs. And our OEM programs are anything that we do with the car manufacturers, and we help roll that out um, and then manage it while the program's launching because the OEM has an initiative and the dealers need to get on board with the initiative, and we help manage that process. Yeah, so what is that relationship like? Because obviously, as an industry, there's a lot of players, right? You have manufacturers, you have retailers, you have vendors, you have lenders, you have, there's, there's all these players. Then you have these other um, third parties, like a Shift Digital as an example, right, that help manage some of this stuff. Um, so tying those pieces together historically has been just really, really difficult, right? I right. mean, there's there's incentives, there's, you know, there's kind of carrots and sticks depending on the program <laughs> and uh, for, for everybody involved. So um, I don't know, how do you and your team really manage through those things and make sure everybody's on the same page? Because at the end of the day, everybody has the same goal, right? We want to create right. a good experience. We want to sell more cars. So the goal is the same. It's just how do we help each other get get on the same playing field? Yeah, so each each piece internally and externally, the, the OEMs and the third parties and all of our internal teams all have the same goal, but they're all worried about their piece to make that goal happen. So our team's really there to try to be like a center point to make sure everybody has what they need to accomplish that goal, to get to the same goal, but someone looking over the entire thing instead of like, I need to do this piece to get my part done to make this goal is somebody to look at the entire thing from a higher level mm-hmm. to make sure it goes smoothly across the board instead of kind of individual silos. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of project management, right? Correct. I mean, yes. And, and we've worked together in the past, going back quite a few years, um, and, and back then, um, you had this giant spreadsheet, basically, <laughs> yep. with uh, you know DRIs and basically people responsible for each thing and making sure with dates and all that. Is that so? As these programs grow, right, and and uh, get bigger and bigger and, and more complex, and there's right. more uh, people that they touch. Um, what does that look like? Is that still you know an Excel spreadsheet, or is it you know? It, it depends on the, the size of it. You know, we have one going right now that is a big initiative, and it is a very big Excel spreadsheet because it requires a lot of tracking. Um, and that still seems to be the best way to manage that. But we have other ones that are smaller that, you know, don't require that same amount of stuff. But but yes, I still love my giant spreadsheet that has all the <laughs> things that people need to do. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so, Kelly, let's get into a little bit. Thanks for sharing that, by the way, because it it's like it's this big convoluted group of connections that, yes. that all again, they all we all have the same goal. Um, but it's tough to manage through it sometimes. It so, um, but again, wanted to talk with you about uh, volunteerism because you have uh, a pretty big job here at Reynolds, right? So you have you have a big career. Um, you're a mom, yep. your wife. You take care of yourself. Like, so, I guess the first question is why why make time to volunteer? And then the follow up question, just so you, know, you start thinking about this, is <laughs> how the heck do you do it? Because there's only so many hours in the day. But this um, is true. <laughs> what, why do you find it important and or fulfilling or what, what kind of drives you to make time for that? 
I've always done it since I probably like started in high school, like National Honor Society, things that kind of force you into needing to do a service project and that kind of thing. And I was really into it when I did it. I was like, oh, that felt really good to go do something else, right? Like outside of, you know, just doing school and work and other things. Mm -hmm. So I just, I really enjoyed what it felt like to like, provide service for somebody else and do something bigger than me. So I've kind of continued that. Um, now that I do have kids, I feel like it's helpful to teach them from a young age about giving back and about volunteering. So it's just kind of second nature to the kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that they have to do because it's a requirement for something or looks good on their college resume because it's just something they've always done. Chloe's volunteered with me since she was four years old mm -hmm. and they always have the choice, but they always pick to go. So in terms of how I have time to do it, I, do, I made the effort after probably Chloe was four that like I would intentionally set up time to volunteer throughout the year. So I, mm -hmm. I like I will do it at least once a month. I'll find something that I enjoy doing that it's, you know, it's not a chore to do it because it's a cause you care about. Right. Um, the kids come with me so then I don't miss out on time with them because they're there with me while we do it. Yeah. So just intentionally making that time to like slot in, you know, a couple hours a month to go do it. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point is, is sharing the experience with people that you want to be around. Right. Um, so whether that's your kids or your spouse or just friends, um, when you're not giving up time with them to go do something yes. else, um, it's easier to enjoy. Right. And you don't feel like you're saying no to something else. So that's, right. That's a really good call. It's out. just built into it. Right. When we do when we do things here, we get to hang out with our coworkers outside of work and volunteer. So we get to spend time and do that and build relationships at the same time as volunteering. So mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to kind of multitask with it. Yeah. Yeah. So tactically, how do you do it? You said that you set up time each month, you know, a couple hours or whatever the time frame is. But um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that that have a desire mm -hmm. to volunteer. Either they've done it in the past or they feel like they, they want to give back, but then they look at their calendar and their <laughs> responsibilities and they, they quite literally don't have another hour in the day. Right. Um, so, and, and everything is about making, making time, right? It's not like you're just going to say, okay, well I have four free hours, so I'm going to go do something. It, right. You have to intentionally do it. Yeah. Um, but tactically for you, what does that, does that look like? Do you actually block time out on your calendar? Do you like, what is it? How do you execute? A lot of the different organizations, you have to schedule time with them to go okay. volunteer. The one we started with, you did not have to, which is why we did it. It was kind of like a drop-in, do it as you had time, which is all I could manage when I had a four-year-old is <laughs> drop-in and do it when you have time to do it. So that worked out well for us at the time. Um, so it was kind of like, hey, we do have a free hour here. Like, do you want to go do this? But other than that, most of them you need to schedule and say, I'm coming to volunteer at this time and have something scheduled to do. Mm -hmm. So when you plan that out a little further, because like if I tried to fit something into December, it's probably not happening at this point. But if I look now and decide in March I want to do it, mm -hmm. I will have an hour in March before I get to March to not fill with something else. So to go ahead and schedule that out further, like, we already have time to volunteer with the puppies in March because we are going to make sure we get time with the puppies. So we have a date and time scheduled with them ahead of time sure. so that that is blocked out for that instead of filling up your calendar and then trying to work it in. So kind of planning out ahead will help. Yeah. In your experience, are you able to volunteer primarily like in the evenings because, you know, kids are in school, you're at work um, or weekends or what does that generally look like? Yes, most of the time it's in the evening or weekends. We found that like 
Sunday later in the afternoon is kind of an open time for us more that we can go do that. So a lot of ours are like Sunday afternoons and evenings that fit it in when there's not all the craziness of the week going on. So Sunday evenings work the best for us. But yes, evenings and weekends when you have kids, if you want them involved. Right. Right. No, that's good. That's good. So what, um, you know, you're involved in, in a lot of organizations through Reynolds, but then also just personally. So what, what are some of the ones that are um, top of mind for you or maybe that you're, you're involved in now or have been involved in uh, recently? Yeah, so Kettering Backpack Program is one that the kids and I started with because it was one that they could do. So they pack bags of food for kids for the weekend. So kids, they get free and reduced lunch during the week. They have bags of food to take with them for the weekend because they're assuming they probably need that. So that was an easy task for the kids to be able to do, right? Put these 10 things in a bag, something that they could accomplish because they have volunteer opportunities for like every skill level. And that's where we were, right? They're not (laughs) going to be out there at Habitat for Humanity building houses, but they can pack a bag of food. Mm -hmm. So we love Kettering Backpack because it's a cause that means something to us, right? The kids can see that people in their schools receive these bags and Mm -hmm. they can make that connection for how they're doing something good. Um, Four Paws for Ability is one of our favorite ones. We've done stuff with them for Reynolds, too, and sponsored a litter. So um, they're great because they do service dogs for kids and veterans. Mm -hmm. So our volunteering there is playing with puppies. (laughs) So it feels a little... It feels a little not like volunteering. You clean up up a little bit, too. There's some cleaning involved. Yes, yes. There's lots of things to do with it. But (laughs) the end result is you get to play with puppies for a couple hours. Um, So that one is one of our favorite ones because the same thing, right? Like we've been able to see some of the the kids that get these dogs and how they interact with them. So like while we do like a small part and play with these puppies, like they go on to like change a family's life, right? right? So the kids can see the whole thing and be like, okay, this is why doing this matters and I play with puppies. Um, <laughs> well, that one, you, you mentioned that Reynolds sponsored a, mm-hmm. a litter. I thought it was so funny um, how every puppy was then named after a vehicle. Yep. Was, truck litter. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was pretty fun. They all got to be little trucks. <laughs> yeah. The kids still talk about that litter all the time. Um, another one, and we did something with Reynolds with it too, is Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Mm-hmm. So Reynolds helped sponsor the Light the Night Walk that they do all across the country. Um, but we did the local one here. And then... Um, that one was big to us. Chloe was the honored hero at that one, which is part of um, getting the backing of Reynolds on that one, yep. is so that they could sponsor it. Um, and then just providing awareness to that and raising money because that's how they fund everything that they do throughout the year. So yep. there's other things like that that you can do that aren't really like volunteer hours of doing something, but being part of the walk and raising awareness and doing things on that level. Yeah. So, um, want to get into a little bit more of that organization and how they work and you know regionally and locally and everything else um but you mentioned chloe and she was she was honored um yep. uh, so if you don't mind share a little bit of, of her story so um you know chloe was was uh, had cancer two years ago right she was Correct. diagnosed um fought through it and yep. uh and she's great now and, and a vibrant kid um <laughs> but share a little bit about you know what that experience was like and you know obviously you're involved with that organization now so um also curious if if you had any connections or involvement there while you and your family were going through that and while chloe was going through treatment but um share a little bit of that if you don't mind sure um yeah chloe was diagnosed a couple years ago with hodgkin's lymphoma mm-hmm. she's in remission now so she's good um but when she's we went through that, she's like <laughs> she's a spitball she is that, that is a good word for her um 
But when we first found out about that, right, like the first thing any of us do before we go into the appointment is that they're in Google and like, okay, what does this mean? Right. And they're one of the first ones that pop up when you do that. And they have a bunch of resources for like reading things about it. Right. From a legitimate source where you're not like down the rabbit hole in what you're reading about it. Um, so they have like good information on things about it that you can trust because it's coming from them. Yeah. So that was helpful for me, like right off the bat, like you think you get told that, but you have a day to wait to go into the doctor. So I'm sitting there Googling on my phone. So yeah. they're a much better resource to get that information from than somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we became more involved later on, um, yeah. just to raise more awareness to their cause because they do a lot of research like a whole lot of the cancer treatment drugs come from them for the lymphomas and leukemias and their research that they fund and their current project is for helping make kids treatment better so that's another reason we got more behind it this year is like that's their biggest project right now is like how do we make this better for kids yeah Um, because they're different because there's a lot of stuff approved for adults and there's very few things approved for kids so we wanted to kind of back that that fight to make it easier than what it was on chloe to go through it right right so Thanks for sharing that, by the way. That's, um, I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, a little kid, right? And it's just, it's so hard to go through, but yeah. you and, and your family and Chloe did, did just a, a fantastic job. And, um, you know, like you said, she's she's great now. So <laughs> You wouldn't know it if you met her now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with, with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and you may or may not know this, honestly, but uh, if you do, I'd be interested. Um, what does that look like? So you said they fund a lot of research, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, for somebody who maybe isn't familiar with a lot of these organizations, um, they raise a lot of money. Right. Um, and it's great that they're a resource, right? You can go to their website, you can learn, you can be educated. Um, but then also, to your point, funding research. So what does that mean? Like, do they have doctors on staff? Do they work with hospitals? Do they, like, how, did, how does that money as an example, right? So they raise money or people give money. Um, Where does it go? Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of that that I do not know exactly how the process works, but I do not believe that they have them on staff versus they, you know, work with, you know, these top places that do research and work through things and do clinical trials and through Mm -hmm. the hospitals and all the different things that they do so they can provide the funding so that they can do that because you only get so much from the government to fund it and it's you know divvied out among this so they want to take a concentrated amount and put it towards leukemia and lymphoma kind of drugs right and then um so they just help put money towards those specific things so that they're working on that as they go but it's not i don't believe that they're on staff yeah. through them yeah okay um and maybe we can get get somebody from uh, lls here sure we can um but excuse me can you talk a little bit too about the events? So you mentioned Light the Night, um, a local event in Dayton, but they do it all over the place. So an yes. organization like Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is a nationwide organization, mm-hmm. um, but it seems uh, they operate regionally or locally for the most part. Um, so in your experience with them or with other other groups, um, what types of organizations do you see having, I guess, the biggest impact? Uh, you know, so if I'm somebody that wants to volunteer time, maybe I want right. to give some money. Um uh, you know, I, I want to work with an organization that's for a cause that I believe in. Um, that's something that that I feel like they they handle what they do well, right? They execute well. Right. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at these organizations to give time, to give money, whatever you want to be able to give, um, I guess, 
where do you see them being most effective? Or maybe there's not a pattern and you'll just tell me it doesn't matter. You just got to get to know them. But, you know, regionally, locally, nationally, hyper local, like in your community, you mentioned Kettering Backpack, right? Like in your town. Right. Um, where do you see the biggest impact for, for organizations like this? I think it's hard. So, so LLS, they have like a chapter in different areas, right? And that chapter just serves that area. So you can donate to that chapter and that money. There's some that's spent in that area. So if somebody is having a hardship while they're going through that and they're helping fund, you know, maybe medical bill reimbursement, Mm -hmm. and then you have the national level where they're collectively doing all this money towards something like the research, right? They have to put more money towards that versus like at the regional level so it really just depends on on what you're what you're looking at trying to accomplish and it some things are you know a national thing that that's the best way to do it but then the smaller ones that you can see the immediate impact in your community are probably easier for people to get behind because i think the hardest thing is people doing it and not seeing the impact that they're making or realizing it so i think that the the smaller level that you do it the more you can see what it is when we do cutting backpack we know somebody in this school system is going to get these bags that we pack so it's easier to understand your impact yeah. when you do it at a smaller level like that yeah no that's good that's good um so what about uh getting others to join Right. Because volunteer organizations always need more people. There's, it's never you never say, hey, could I help out? And they say, no, sorry, we don't need help. Yeah. Um, so you, I think you, something that you've done a good job of is getting friends and family and coworkers to to join you. Right. right. And uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, you know, how do you help other people feel as passionate about it as you do and want to help? So most charities can't run without volunteers, right? right? Like they don't have the the overhead to be able to pay salaries for all these people to do this. So they do all need them. I don't know any charities that do not have volunteers working for them. Um, but I think, I think one, just showing people what you do and sharing your experience with it. Because a lot of times when, when I'll post doing that with the kids, I have a lot of parents reach out to me and like, hey, I'd love to do that with my kid because they just saw it and like, I didn't think about doing that with them and just being able to see it first and be yeah. like, I think my kid could do that too and take <laughs> them to do it. Um, so that's part of it. And of course, when I post them volunteering with the puppies that a lot of people want to go volunteer with the puppies as well, because they're like, I want to figure out how to do that. So some of it is just like, once you share what you're doing, then people see like, oh, okay, I think I could probably do it too. Like just a real person finding time to get it done. I can do it. Or they do the thing and like, I feel bad because these kids are finding time to do it and I'm not. So I got to find a way to do it. Um, Other events that we have. So like when we did Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Light the Night, Mm -hmm. um, Chloe ran a couple blood drives too to be able to raise awareness that cancer patients need blood transfusions. So things like that, that can get more people behind it. So like Chloe's putting herself out there to raise awareness for it and try to kind of gather support and bring new people in just kind of an event like that, that kind of thing helps as well. Um, and then things at work, right. When we have things here, it's like, Hey, you're going to go do habitat for humanity, build in the parking lot with us this weekend. And like, it'd be more fun, the more of us that go. Right. So just trying to encourage other people to want to do that. And, And usually once you do it one time, it's, you know, not this scary, ambiguous thing you can't start doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, um, cause undoubtedly you make sacrifices for these things. There are things that, um, you or your kids or your, whatever your family, like 
they decide to not do something else um, so they can do these volunteer activities. And, and you mentioned Sunday afternoons. It's usually an open time. Um, but I'm, I'm sure, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm sure that there's also, you know, whatever, a Saturday morning where kids have to miss a soccer game or something because you have other obligations. And obligation is the wrong word, but you're, you've decided to, to do a volunteer activity, right? right. Um, so... I don't know. Is that something you have to balance or is it just you just feel like that's normal and, and your kids accept that and they like it? Yeah, they, they accept it. So they always have the option whether or not that they attend. Right. Like if I go one day and they're like, I don't feel it today, they don't have to go with yeah. me. So I think because I don't require them to do it either, mm-hmm. that they're more willing to do it. Right. As soon as you tell a kid they have to do it, they don't want to do it. So we found that Sundays work the best, so they don't usually have sports. They'd have a hard time if I told them to give up sports to go do it. <laughs> so when we schedule it out ahead, we try to think about, you know, it's not going to be a time that they have something like that, right? They're giving up, um, you know, doing something at home or playing or, you know, going to somebody else's house. Maybe they're giving up that kind of thing mm-hmm. to go, but they enjoy it. They get a lot out of it. They're really excited to do it. If we take a break from doing it for a month, they're like, hey, when are we going back and doing that? I'm like, oh, schedule that (laughs) thank you um so they like doing it it's something that they enjoy so they don't really see it as missing something else and if they have something else i can go you know do it and they can go do the thing that they want to do so they don't feel that they're required to do it i think if you don't feel required right you're doing it because you chose to do it and you want to do it Mm -hmm. then it's just another thing yeah yeah well and i'm sure that you make it enjoyable to being a family activity right and and believe it or not all of us like our kids like to spend time with us too right (laughs) so far (laughs) so um you know obviously we want to spend time with them but they also want to spend time with us so if that's what you do as Mm -hmm. a family if that's one of the activities that you do together um that's just family time right and and everybody's happy and can enjoy it so right they you know everyone likes playing with puppies so they definitely never (laughs) never mind that right when we go pack the bags right we'll stick a playlist on and play it and pack bags and you know sing and do things and it's fun right it doesn't feel like work to them sure that's good so what about somebody that hasn't done this or hasn't done it in a long time but they want to and how do you start right what's the best way to make time on your calendar to find an organization that you want to work with to kind of schedule that time out to just get started because with so many things getting over that initial hurdle right getting out of the starting blocks is the hardest part um so any advice for for somebody that's like man you know i 20 years ago i was great at this and just it hasn't been a priority but i need to i want to make it a priority um i just can't seem to get out of my own way with everything else i have going on um any advice for kind of getting getting out of those starting blocks i think thinking about a what kind of cause that you would care about to narrow it down because there are so many organizations out there that's the daunting thing right so if you haven't heard of one that you're already interested in like thinking through because there's you know ones about animals homeless elderly children arts there's just an entire gamut of things so if you think about a cause that you want and then you know with google just go out there and be like volunteer opportunities with animals in my area and be able to narrow that list down of what you want to be able to do, I think makes it better than there's all of all out there to look at. A lot of cities have pages on their websites Mm. that have volunteer opportunities either with the city or just that organizations in their city to also help narrow that down. Because if you'll go, um, I know our city of Kettering page has here volunteer opportunities with the city or other organizations that operate within the city. Um, That's a good way to like find them. But once you find them, just being able to 
plan it out a little bit further so that first one isn't as hard for you to try to squeeze in, right? Plan it for a couple months out, and then you don't have anything else at that time because it's already planned out ahead of time to not feel like you're trying to squeeze one more thing into that. Um, And then I don't do a lot of New Year's resolutions, but that's one that's always on mine, right? Like I want to do like once a month kind of thing on that as my New Year's resolution so that I can like purposely stick to it and do it intentionally. Yeah. So I think if they just figure out what cause that they would care about to narrow down the list of charities and figure out what their volunteer opportunities are, because there's a lot of different things like you can volunteer to answer the phones at any yeah. of these, right? It's, it's something as simple as that. And then there's, you know, build a house yeah. <laughs> and everything in between that. So you have to know what your skill level is too and what they need, but they need, you know, so many different things that there's something that each person can do, right? It's not like, but I can't build a house. Like neither can I. So <laughs> that's why I pack bags of food. Um, but there's just like different things. So some people would like more if their volunteer time is helping build a house because that's what they're good at and right. that's what they feel passionate about and they can spend the time on that. So I think they just need to find something that they can connect with and just go get it scheduled and pull the cord. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good perspective of just finding something that you you want to yeah. to an organization that you want to invest in. Right. Because there's it's not one way to invest in. There's almost never just one way to invest in it, right? Like I think about um, Ronald McDonald House is a good example mm-hmm. where you can volunteer and you can go cook a meal for four hours, right? For families that, that are needing that right now. Um, you can clean. Um, you can answer the phones during their telethon to raise money, yep. right? Like there's there's so many different things that you can yeah. do through that organization where it's not it's not just one thing or one type of work. So finding that that organization that supports a cause that you're passionate about. That's a good that's a good piece of advice. Um, anything from your perspective um, when looking at all the different organizations that are out there, right? So uh, there's, in some cases, depending on the cause, you know, you might have 10 organizations right. in your local area that you could spend time with um, and volunteer at. Any criteria that you would recommend people look at or do you, do you find it's really more about, you know, just understanding the cause and um, the organization, what they do? Or is there another layer where you can say, okay, because this group... I don't know, does, does it this way versus this way? Um, I'm going to spend time here. Is there anything that you use? So most of these, they have to do an annual report, Mm -hmm. right. On how they like money they bring in and how they spend their money. Because I think that's probably one of the biggest things that people worry about is, are they spending all this money that they raise on, on the right thing? So most of them have annual reports out there to just be able to take a look at, like, does it look like they're getting the money in and then spending it on the cause that I want them to spend it on. Mm-hmm. And that's all out there. And they're usually not crazy long reports yeah. to read through. Um, and e- even just like asking anybody around you too, cause there's other people that have experience with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky that we have the associate foundation. So I've seen a lot of these organizations and how they do stuff when they apply for grants with us. So I have the benefit of like, we've already kind of vetted right. some of these when I do it, that you feel good about that one. Um, but the annual report's a good thing to do and just kind of, you know, researching them a little bit where you see what they're doing out there and providing that. Cause they usually have, you know, a Facebook page and an sure. Instagram where you can see the different things that they're doing out there in the community to, to feel good about it. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice. Um, and, and generally, you're not going to find anything that throws off a red flag in these yeah. annual reports. I mean, yeah. a vast, vast, vast majority of these organizations um, are extremely passionate about the cause, mm-hmm. just like everybody who gives time and money to the cause, right? right? So um, you don't see a lot of um, 
a poor use of funds. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's really just about finding one that, that you're passionate about and you want to, to give time to. Yeah, and there's a lot of them that have somebody that manages the volunteers in it too. So even if you don't know where to start with them, just they'll have that person listed on their site to reach out to them be like, I want to do this. What are my options? When can I do it? And then be able to schedule it with them because sometimes it's not obvious, like how to narrow it down. So there's usually a person there too that helps manage that. And if you reach out to them, they're more than happy to tell you about all the things you can do to help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Um, That's great. So this has been a a great conversation, kind of, you know, enlightening. Again, I think this time of year, it becomes front of mind. And then you mentioned New Year's resolutions and it's like, this is something I want to do, but getting started can always be so daunting and right. it's just with with anything once you do it then you just keep doing it but getting out of getting over that that start line can just be yeah. it can feel like a lot um but in a lot of cases it's just a matter of of doing it right and to right. point scheduling it out yeah just do it the first time a lot of it too is like no one wants to go do it by themselves, right? That makes it a little bit scarier. So finding a friend or someone in the family or coworker or somebody that would go do it with you makes it less daunting to go do like, hey, I want to go do this. Will you go with me? And then it, it makes it more fun, less daunting. You're not going by yourself. It's, you know, kind of safety net of having somebody <laughs> with you. That's good. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for uh, for spending some time. Uh, appreciate you, you joining. Anything else that uh, you want to touch on or anybody you want to call out from an organization perspective? We talked about LLS and Kettering Backpack, but um, I don't know. Anything else that you want to hit on before we wrap up? There's so many. It's hard. Um, <laughs> I will tell you real quick because when we do all the volunteering, right, but then when, when Chloe got diagnosed and we found ourselves in this situation and there's a dragonfly foundation um, locally and they do different events for pediatric cancer kids and their family Mm -hmm. so it's like just this random thing that's like they have an organization that like we actually benefited from because they put on these events where you get to go do fun things as a family that they do for us yeah so like being on the other side of it was you know interesting too because like oh now we found ourselves in a situation where like we needed that but you know we'll go got to go to reds games and meet some reds players through them and do all this other stuff so we had to be on the other side and benefit from some of these too so we love dragonfly um they are local they have one in chicago too um so that's probably my other favorite one to do nice good but thanks for having me oh of course no kelly appreciate you joining Uh, it was a fun conversation as always and uh hopefully we can do it again okay well, that was a great conversation with Kelly Atkins. I really appreciate her hopping on and sharing, uh, obviously, her story, her personal story with her daughter, uh, but also just how to get involved. Kelly's so great at getting involved and getting others involved. Uh, I hope it was helpful for you. I mean, this is really a season of giving, and uh, hopefully a few tips in there can uh, can help you get started or, or keep going, depending on what your situation is. Uh, before we hop off, don't forget, you can watch or listen to all episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.